0: Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 24 of Pigskins and Nylon. I'm Wally Lukashinski and with me today are my buddies Casey Mock and Hayden Ramsey. A little bit of a slow week in the Big Ten as far as big matchups go, but we've got three Big Ten matchups we should add a little spice to our life. I get the obvious answer of the neutral site game between Notre Dame and Wisconsin, but outside of that, is there a game you guys are most looking forward to watching this weekend? For me, it's got to either be Nebraska-Michigan State or Rutgers-Maryland. I think
1: you mean Rutgers, Michigan, but
0: I do mean Rutgers, Michigan. I'm just an idiot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, those are the three games that I'm looking forward to as well. You're right, not really that great of a of a weekend. We've been pretty spoiled, I feel like, for the first three weeks. But overall, I mean, a good noon game, a good three thirty game. I'm I'm pretty excited for it.
2: Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to the Michigan State Nebraska game coming off of how Nebraska put up a pretty good fight last week against Oklahoma and how Michigan State really handled Miami on the road. It'll be interesting to see if Michigan State has a little bit of that you know natural letdown after a big win or if they come out like they've played all year and come out and run the ball and have good offensive line play. I think that's the one I'm looking forward to outside of the obvious Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. Of course, you said Rutgers at Michigan. I think that'll be, I you know, I, I thought maybe that might be interesting, but I don't know. I don't, I don't really know who Rutgers is yet. So I, I guess that makes it a little interesting. We find out a little bit about Rutgers maybe.
0: Yeah, the three games they've played, what? You had Temple, Delaware, and then Syracuse, who isn't very good. So this is going to be really their first test. But there was Michigan's a- like a
2: Michigan's like a nineteen or something point favorite in that game, which I kind of was a little surprised it was that large. I thought maybe it might be a little a little uh, smaller with you know Rutgers being undefeated going into that game, but I guess I get it. Michigan's looked really good.
0: They've looked really good, and then you again Rutgers hasn't played anybody of substance yet, so the fact that we haven't really seen them get over that hump in the last couple of years. Maybe that Vegas is a little bit slower on the uptake, a little reluctant to give them the benefit of the doubt. But outside of just the obvious matchups, I think a game that purely just from an entertainment value is going to be really good this weekend. I think that Indiana-Western-Kentucky game, to the nightcap on Saturday, I think you're going to see a lot of points there. And we're going to find out a lot about Indiana if they're able to really respond to a lot of early season adversity. Because Western Kentucky's no slouch, and that being the road game. They're on the
2: road. Yeah. Yeah, they're on the road. That's kind of uh, one of the most interesting
1: aspects of that. Why would Indiana
2: want to go? Why would they want to schedule that in the first place? If they're going to play, you got to play that at home.
1: That's what I was going to say. It's so weird to see a Big Ten team traveling to a, a group of five school like Western Kentucky, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: I can't remember off the top of my head another one, but one of the teams that is playing this weekend, had another weird road game with Toledo last week. And we'll get to that eventually. I can't remember top of the head, but it's another one of those power five schools going on the road. And I don't know, even going back to the first week of the year, Tulane had that new Orleans hurricane not happen, would have hosted Oklahoma. And that was a really bizarre thing too. So I don't know, maybe it's just some of these smaller schools willing to shell out the money Hopefully get a, what, a game on big-time TV and help recruiting maybe? I don't know. That's just a thought that I had for it.
2: You want to know something, two, actually two things that are kind of bizarre before we get into these games a little bit. There are two games this week in the Big Ten that have tickets for less than $5. Do you think you can guess what two games that is?
1: Going through the rundown, I would have to guess that BGSU – against Minnesota is probably pretty low. <laughs> I mean, God, Villanova and Penn State's probably pretty darn low. Ohio and Northwestern, maybe not. Ohio State, Akron's probably pretty low. So I'm going to go with Ohio State, Akron, and BG and Minnesota.
0: I'm going to say BG and Minnesota in Ohio and Northwestern.
2: So the BG Minnesota game is not a bad guess. Their tickets, this is just on ESPN. Their tickets are their resale tickets are as low as $14. They're not not quite there. The Akron Ohio State, Casey said that. The lowest tickets for that is $39, at least on ESPN. So not that one. Casey or uh, Wally, you said Ohio and Northwestern. That is correct. That is actually the lowest game. $2 for a ticket. You can go. Two big ones. And then the other one is Kent State at Maryland. That game is uh, lowest at $3 for a ticket. So just, you know, just some interesting Big Ten
0: facts here. That is interesting because I expected College Park to be pretty fired up with their start of the year, even with the Kent State team coming in. I expected more people to try to get out to that. So if it is $3, I mean, damn, take advantage of it. Go make that a packed environment. I I know that Maryland deserves it. Getting a 4-0 before Iowa coming to town would be a really big deal. Thanks for bringing that up, Hayden. Kind of to a, a different
1: question, which we kind of talked about. Does Ohio State get more than 80000 in this weekend?
0: I think you have fewer at this game than you actually saw last week. Believe it or not, I think it's going to continue to happen until the university doesn't price gouge their fan base. And, I mean, right there, you just heard resale at $39. I mean, that's not a $39 ticket right now, especially when you consider there's going to be 35 40,000 empty seats.
1: That's kind of what I was thinking too. I think if this was a noon game, they might get around ninety. But I think the fact of the matter that it's Akron, it's at seven thirty at night, could see that as a more valid excuse than not going to Tulsa last week.
2: I think maybe the fact that it's an in-state game, you might see some more Akron fans there than normal. Which you know, going to watch your team play in a big game. I don't. I mean, I don't know. But if I was an Akron fan and I could scoop up a ticket. I would probably go. I mean, you don't have expectations to win, but it's still fun. You get to go to a big, bigger environment typically and watch your team, I guess, at night.
0: But how much really is the Akron fan base going to move the needle on attendance numbers at Ohio State? Even if oh, it is a big yeah. number.
2: No, no. I'm, I'm just saying in general, you might see some more Ak- Akron fans than you would like in a normal, or I guess this is a normal year, than you typically would.
0: It will be interesting to see. That's going to be one of those storylines that we kind of follow throughout the year. We talked about Nebraska's sellout streak being on the line. It's not expected going into the year that we'd see 75 76,000 people at an Ohio State game. But let's jump into our topics now. They
2: deserve it. They deserve it.
0: They really do, the way they've been doing it. But we'll leave that for, for right now. But let's go over to you guys. Let's get a recruiting update. I know that it's not going to be too crazy in season right now. But did anything happen this week that's worth noting?
1: No. The only thing that I think happened over the past week that I think we failed to mention Sunday night was that Michigan did flip a Boise State commit. He was a three-star defensive lineman. So football-wise, that was, that was the only thing. There were a couple basketball commits. Again, this might have happened more than a week ago, but haven't really been paying too much attention. Jackson Kohler, he's a big 6'9", 250 power forward committed to Michigan State. He's a top 70 guy for basketball. Keba six 6'8", center, four-star guy committed to Penn State. Wisconsin got a not-ranked shooting guard. Iowa got a not-ranked not shooting guard. And how far am I back? I'm back two weeks now. All right. So I'm done looking. That's all we have on the recruiting aspect of things.
2: I do have one thing to mention, actually. Penn State had a guy decommit. This was a while ago, back in July. His His name is Tyrese Fierbright. He was a, I mean, pretty decent recruit. Top 200. He was a four-star defensive end. He just committed to Kentucky which I thought was interesting. It doesn't really have a huge impact on the Big Ten, but I just think, you know, Kentucky kind of in the area and the fact that it was a decommit, you know, a pretty decent decommit from Penn State has a little bit of value, I suppose.
0: Well, thank you guys once again for giving that update. We'll come back next week, figure out what else is going on, hopefully a little bit more news for you. But we'll jump right into our game previews now. Nobody had a bye this week, so all 14 of your teams are going to be in action. And just to give you guys a little bit of an update on where we are at with the gambling portion of this. Last week, Casey had his, honestly, his only really bad week, but it shows you how difficult gambling can be. He went 9-15-1, where Hayden went 12-12-1, and I went 14-11-1. Where we sit unit-wide at this stage of the season, Casey's down six-tenths of a unit. Hayden's down 11.9 units and I am up 925 so I have the lead right now the king the King a lot of time left on this and very easy to have a really bad week a really good week to make this right back and very even for everybody but we'll go right now to our first game of the week. Bowling Green is going to Minnesota one of the games we thought had cheap tickets for good reason Minnesota's a 30 and a half point favorite against the Falcons. Over-under is set at 50-and-a-half. Matt McDonald, the quarterback for Bowling Green, he's only thrown one interception through his first three games. But the problem is, is their running game is terrible. On both sides of that line of scrimmage, you're going to imagine Minnesota's going to have a sizable advantage. Where do you guys fall in this game? You'd imagine just by looking at the matchups, Minnesota should have their way on Saturday. Talons
1: up, baby. I'm going Minnesota minus 30-and-a-half, though.
2: Bowling Green was one of the teams that I read about, actually, at the beginning of the year. And I was told to fade uh, Bowling Green every single game, no matter who they play. So I'm rolling with Minnesota. I don't, I don't think Bowling Green really has a shot at all. Minnesota's going to cover. I am going to take the under, though. I think Minnesota's going to eat up a lot of clock on the ground. They're going to have their way on the ground. And that'll roll the clock. I don't see Bowling Green doing too much offensively to, to really help the over here. So
0: under 50 and a half. I forgot to ask you, Casey, what is your over under in this game? We know that you have Minnesota minus 30 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to go with
1: the over. I do think Minnesota will be around the 42, 45, 49 point range. I just got to think that my Falcons will score at least a field goal or something to hit the over. So I'm, I'm going to roll with the over.
0: I'm very narrowly on your side here. This is, to me, the closest to the over-under. Had we not been picking each game, I probably wouldn't bet it. But I have Minnesota winning this game 44-7, to so that hits the over by half a point. I think it's going to really come down to it. I think Minnesota's going to be able to run up and down the field on this team. Their line should have no problem, and I think Trayson Potts has another big day. It's just a matter of, do they have enough time because of how much they're going to control the ball to reach that 50 and a half. So I could see Hayden being right, but I narrowly have the over. Minnesota wins big and cover.
2: Bowling Green's going to miss the extra point. It's going to be 44 to 6.
0: I would probably have to disown Casey at that point. I'd blame him personally for that mistake there and that blunder. But we'll go now to the, what, a matchup in state. A lot of people, I feel like, forget that Villanova's out east in Pittsburgh, or out east in Pennsylvania. Excuse me. Villanova is traveling to number 6 Penn State at games noon on Big Ten Network. Won't be betting this because it is an FCS opponent, so if you've been following us, you know that we don't do that. Villanova, for what it's worth, they're 3-0 entering this game. Beat up on their first couple teams in the FCS they played this year before beating Richmond last week. With that being said, they shouldn't really pose much of an impact or much of a challenge for Penn State this week. I don't know. Maybe it is a little ugly coming off an Auburn win, but you got to imagine Penn State doesn't really break too much of a sweat this week.
1: I can't imagine that, especially coming off of that Auburn win and the Wisconsin win really. I mean, they're probably riding so high right now. James Franklin's got them rolling. What is the line for this game? No, yeah, I was just line. looking at it and I see 29 and a half, which I thought was kind really? of really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would take that. Penn State's going to put up 40, 50 points probably fairly easily and really what you're looking for out of a game like this again is the development of Sean Clifford that Auburn game I don't think he could have asked for a better performance you just want to see him continue to have a high completion percentage throw the ball down the field things like that
0: I'll be interested to see how Noah Kane does as well just because even in the matchup with Ball State they really struggled to run the ball this year So you would imagine that they're going to want to see that interior offensive line dictate terms a little bit more than they have been. But that's nitpicking at this point. But like I said, the 29.5, I guess I wouldn't be that stunned just because Villanova does look like one of the better football championship series teams this year. It's just Penn State's one of the best teams in the country. And that's just going to be really tough for Villanova to walk in there and make this a four-quarter game.
2: James Franklin to USC? Question mark. I mean, I, I, I read an article from the football scoop, and he is, like, one of the top priorities for them to target.
1: Do you think he would consider leaving? I mean, kind of like what we talked about last week. Didn't we touch on this a little bit, or was that in our group chat?
0: You know what? It was I don't, probably I don't be- remember. It was before you got on, Hayden. Casey and I were having uh, this discussion.
1: Okay, well, disregard. Oh, yeah, when, we're, when we were going over the odds. Uh, Uh, Anyway, hey, completely
2: just edit that out. I don't matter. No,
1: no, it's all good. I'll, I'll inform you of the the top four candidates that had the best odds. Two of them were Big Ten coaches. One was Luke Fickle. Two was P.J. Fleck. And then tied for third was Urban Meyer and James Franklin with like 17 to two odds or something like that. That was like right after they fired Clay Helton.
0: It's also worth pointing out, too, in that our discussion we talked about, I think that if you're talking strictly football, Penn State is the better program right now. If you're talking lifestyle and what Southern California can bring with that and all that media attention, that just, I guess, is a personal preference on what you'd rather have. But I'd be surprised. I wouldn't say surprised, but I'd lean right now that he stays in Happy Valley, especially with, a year that looks like it's going to be as successful as this one's panning out to be.
2: I would agree. Yeah. Obviously Penn State's better as a football program. I, I feel like James Franklin's personality kind of would be a decent fit there just with the, you know, the California, especially the Southern California uh, lifestyle. I know they have a lot of USC's head coach has a lot of obligations outside of football uh, that kind of distract from the job, but, I think James Franklin would be a good fit if that's what he wanted to do.
0: I agree if that's what he did want to do. We'll find out, I'm sure, after the season. Because USC, I mean, they still are one of those premier jobs that they're going to be able to get at least people to answer their phone and at least talk to them about it. They're going to go after some big names this year, especially after the fan base and Boosters disinterest in Clay Helton.
1: The thing that makes me so interested in why James Franklin is such a tie to that job is that he, I mean, if you go through his coaching career, he has no sort of connection to anybody on the West Coast, like any team, any anything like that. He's been a Midwest, East Coast kind of guy. So I don't really know why people think like James Franklin is such a good, like like, like it's basically, what am I like trying it's to Like a here? great fit. Yeah, like it, he would just fit into Southern California, but I don't know. That's just my opinion. Moving on.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll move along now. We'll go to our next game. Ohio is traveling to Northwestern. Northwestern, this is an interesting game purely on the fact that last week, after falling behind 27 nothing to Duke, Andrew Marty came in and really gave that Wildcat offense a spark, but he got hurt, and we didn't mention that on Sunday because I at least missed it. When I was watching a game, you have so many TVs on on a Saturday. I missed that injury, and they don't even know if he's going to play this weekend. So at this point, on their depth chart, they listed all three quarterbacks as the starting quarterback. We will not know until game time, or at least in the next couple days. That really, I feel like, adds a lot of, what, question marks going into this game because the Wildcats are 14.5-point favorites in this, and there's not a lot of FBS teams I can imagine being 14 and a half point dogs to this Northwestern team at the moment. I'll give you guys my pick first on this one and then go to you. I'm going to take for that simple fact, I'm going to take Ohio plus 14 and a half. I think this game is going to be one that is close in the fourth quarter. Northwestern does eventually pull away, make it a two possession game. I have them winning 28 to 17, which has the under hitting as well. I should mention that that over under is 47 and a half. But I feel like this game is going to be very intriguing because we, I I mean, there's not too many positives that we could take out of this Northwestern team, at least early on in this year. I think Ohio could at least give them fits a little bit.
1: I'm also going to take Ohio. Plus 14 and a half. It just seems like one of those games where Wisconsin's going to play. It's just going to, or Wisconsin, Northwestern. It might be wet on their natural grass field, just be a sloppy, sloppy game. And with that being said, I'm also going to roll with the under. I could see it being 17 to 13 type of game, you know, just a typical Northwestern game when you think of Northwestern football, basically.
2: It's a dangerous game, and we're all rolling with the same bet. But Ohio, plus 14.5 and take the under, I don't trust Northwestern after that first week.
0: No, for and for good reason, you shouldn't. It's just, I think the biggest question mark, if our bet does hit, you're going to have to see at least a little bit of an uptick from what Ohio's done passing for the people at home. They only have 518 passing yards in their first three games. Got to imagine if they want to keep it at least close, if especially if that Andrew Marty kid comes in and looks as good as he did, they'll need to at least put up a little bit more through the air. But now I think the biggest game of the week, without question, at least in my eyes, at Soldier Field, Notre Dame is going to play the Wisconsin Badgers, the big noon game. I'm really excited about this, but it was a game that when I saw the line, I was a little surprised because I expected it to be much closer to a pick 'em. Notre Dame is a six-and-a-half-point dog in this. Number 12 team in the country, and there's a six-and-a-half-point dog to the Badgers, I'll let you go first, whoever wants to take it. This is a game that, at least again, I, I thought the line was going to be much closer to a pick em.
1: I think there are a couple things that you have to kind of consider, I guess. One, I don't think either team has looked very good this entire season so far. So the hype of this game for me has kind of dwindled a little bit because I don't think Notre Dame is going to be a playoff contender this year and I do think that Wisconsin's going to lose two or three games despite Wally's 12-0 and projection at the beginning of the year but I think the key factor in this is that Wisconsin had two weeks to prepare for Notre Dame they had a bye week last week so with that being said I'm going to take Wisconsin minus six and a half but I think it's going to be 24-17 Wisconsin it's not going to be a blowout it's not going to be I mean it, it, they might be winning by three in the fourth quarter score a touchdown make it 10 it'll be a very good game by two teams that I truly don't think are that good and I have the under hitting as well Jack Cohn returning and playing against the Badgers too that's a that's a major headline I forgot about that that's going to be exciting I wish it was in Camp Randall that would be that would have been kind of cool to see so
2: I am taking the exact opposite based on my betting record and his betting record this year, I shouldn't be doing <laughs> but I am, regardless. I think Jack Cohn is going to play against his old team and play very, very well, and I, I believe Notre Dame is not only going to cover the 6.5, but I think they went outright. I'm, I'm rolling with the outright win for that to happen, The over is going to have to hit. So Notre Dame plus six and a half. Take them on the money line and then take the over at 46 and a half. I just really think Jack Cohn is going to play a really good game against his old team. And, you know, this is interesting because Wisconsin basically said, we're picking Graham Mertz. We think he's better than you. Do what you want. You can stay and be the backup or you can go. And obviously he chose to go. But it's not like Graham Mertz has came out and just lit the world on fire. You know, we're not talking about him like he's some amazing quarterback. We talked about in preseason if he could take that step. But so far, it doesn't look like he has. So it's just, I think that gives Jack Cohn a little bit of extra motivation for an already big game.
0: There's two things that I looked at this going in, and I think they're going to determine who wins this game. I think that it's going to come down to does Notre Dame's rush defense? Can those athletes on that defense contain that rush attack because if they can make Graham Murch throw the ball he hasn't proven so far that he's able to do that and in an environment like Soldier Field where it's going to feel almost like a bowl game I don't think that he's gonna get it done and then on top of that too this is for me the best defense in the Big Ten Casey's with his Iowa Hawkeyes I'm with the Wisconsin Badgers at this point haven't really been tested outside the Penn State game. They had a bye week, then you played Eastern Michigan, who's really like they're not that good of a football team. But you've only given up 388 yards through two weeks, and that's impressive regardless who you play. I think that it's going to be a very low-scoring game, but I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think that Jack Cohn's going to protect the ball enough, manage the game, and I'm with you, Hayden. I've got the Irish in the outright upset here. I think they win this game 20 Ooh, to f- let's go. You're right, let's go. So I have the Notre Dame fighting Irish going up to Soldier Field and winning this game 20 to 14. So under hitting an Irish money line. But now we'll go to, I guess, a little bit of a letdown game after talking Notre Dame and Wisconsin. But the Illinois Illini and the Purdue Boilermakers set the meet at 3 30 here on Saturday. Purdue is a 10.5 point favorite going into this game. The over under is set at 53.5. I'll tell you guys my pick here first before I throw it over to you on this one. Fun fact here before I give you my picks the rivalry here between these two, the series is tied up all time 45 and 45 and 6. So it's always historically been a pretty even matchup. I th- the ultimate rubber match. The ultimate, we got to get to like game 100 here in four or five years. Hopefully we're still doing this. And then we can really get to it when it's 47 and 47 and six. Then we can really get into it. But for right now, I am going to take Purdue minus 10 and a half. This is a tricky one to me purely because Purdue's wide receiver room is pretty banged up even beyond David Bell. We don't know if he will be healthy enough to go on Saturday. But Purdue's defense has been much better this year than we've seen in the last, what, decade or so. So I think that's going to be a big factor in this game. They've held opposing offenses this year in the three games. Remember, Notre Dame is one of those teams. 15 of 48 on third down conversions. They're staying off the field. They're keeping their offense on the field. I think that's going to be a big factor on Saturday. So I do have Purdue winning this game 34-17, to which means the under hits as well. What do you guys have? you agree? Boiler up? Or are you going with our say something nice about Illinois route?
1: I'm going to boiler up as well. There are a couple things that do concern me, though. This is a rivalry game. Like you mentioned, the series is tied all time. From the Purdue perspective, I think they got to get rid of this two-quarterback system. I mean, last week, clearly, Jack Plummer played better than, I think, it, o- O'Connell, I believe is his name. I'm just not a big believer in that, and I think when you have a guy rolling, you let him finish out the game. So that part scares me, the receiver room being so thin right now. Has David Bell been ruled out? or He's still questionable. I, yeah, I just saw that he was you know, up talking to people or whatever. So with all that being said, I think I'm still going to roll with Purdue minus 10.5. Man, I don't know if Illinois can score. So, I'm, I'm going to roll with the under, and I think it's going to be like 28-10. to 10.
2: I do not trust Illinois' anything, really. I don't trust their offense. I don't trust their defense. I'm not taking the say something nice about Illinois. I tried that week one. It worked. I tried it again week two. It did not work, and I'm not going to touch them for a while. So, I'm, I'm rolling with Purdue boiler up. I'm also taking the under. Uh, all three of us here are going to be locked up again. But I just think I don't. Illinois' offense is so bad. I don't really see how they put up much of anything in this game. Nowhere near enough to be close to the total.
0: That's usually bad news when all three of us agree on something. So hopefully we are on the right side when we look back at this on Sunday morning. But now Rutgers traveling to Ann Arbor to face the number 19 Michigan Wolverines. Feels like this is as much buzz as we've seen around the Wolverines in quite some time. A lot of reason for optimism at this point. We talked about it last week on the Sunday show. This is probably the best rush attack in college football right now. It will be interesting once we see better defenses play them, if they can continue that. But for right now, Blake is the third best or third most yards in the country for a running back. And that's on top of the other backs that have been very prolific in their own right Michigan is a 20-and-a-half point favorite. Hey, you mentioned that you thought that was a lot of points. The over-under is also at 49-and-a-half. I will let you go first since you did say it was a lot of points. I assume then you're going with Rutgers. Can you tell us why? And do you think that over or under hits?
2: I did when I first saw it. I was like, that's, that's a ton of points. And, and that's not, you know, a dig at Michigan or anything like that. I just think that... We have seen through the three games some real improvements from Rutgers and and I'm not saying that they're you know a good team by any stretch, but you know I, I was listening to another show and it, you know if let's take Ohio State in a normal year and Rutgers in a normally you know you normally they beat them 50 to 10 or something like that and it seems like that is shrunken down and I I'm gonna give Rutgers credit. I'm gonna say that would become a 38-17 game, which doesn't sound like a ton, but that's a that's a decent amount of points. So I, I'm using that same metric for this. Obviously, when Michigan and Rutgers played last year, it didn't work like that. But I just think Rutgers has really improved on both sides of the ball. So I, I'm going to take the 20 and a half for Rutgers. I also think the over will hit because I think Michigan will be able to score points. And then it's just a question of if Rutgers can... Not match, because I don't think they're going to win, but you know, keep up to some degree with that.
1: I was kind of thinking the same thing when I initially saw it. I was like, wow, really? I think it was at 19 when I first saw it on ESPN. But well, then you start trying to like put scores together, and you're like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that's 21, or I guess that's 24. You know what I'm saying? The first score that came to my mind was 45-21 Michigan, just because I do think Rutgers is, is much improved. and putting up 21 points against a Michigan defense that's really looked pretty good so far this year would definitely be an improvement. But I, I just I can't imagine Rutgers being the team that stops this Michigan rushing attack. I have to assume that Washington's defense was better than what Rutgers is just because they, they probably have, they have more talent and they typically develop their specifically defensive linemen a lot better than what Rutgers do, does. So with all that being said, I'm going to take Michigan minus 20 and a half. I'm also going to roll with the over just because I think – I know I might be a little too high on Michigan right now, but I think Michigan has the possibility of getting to 49 themselves. So I I got to roll with the over.
2: So last week I think my, like, super lock was the Ohio State game over, and we, we pushed on that. Is that correct?
0: It depends on where you got the book. I don't think that one was the push.
1: Yeah, I think the push was Iowa-Kent State. If
0: oh, yeah. so, but,
2: we, but we won, right? Because it was 60 and it was 40 to 20-something? Did I, we win? What, what the hell 20. was the score? <laughs> 41 huh? to 20. Was it, so we won. We won by a point. Yeah? That's, we won.
0: That sounds right, then. Sure. I, I can't remember things. My brain is dead.
2: Uh, I'm looking at it from last week. The total was 60 and the overhead. Okay. Yeah, so I am 1-0 on my super locks. Okay, my super lock. Last week it was the over Ohio State Tulsa. This week it's the over Michigan Rutgers. I, I feel like there's no way that this game is not over, simply for the fact that in Casey said it. I, there's a chance that Michigan scores 40 points in this game, and that means that Rutgers only has to score a touchdown. So this is the super lock of the week. I'm going to go two and zero, oh, which means this, Wally. You ready for this? Two units two units on the over because it's the super lock
0: Ooh, so is the super lock gonna start attracting two units out of you each week i kind of like that
2: yes yes my super lock of the week is going to be two units because i need to make up some ground and i have to pick out my my best bets of the week and this is one of them this is my this is my super lock
0: if you have a gambling problem call (laughs) 1-800-GAMBLER
2: That That's the problem is you start chasing your losses, then all of a sudden, sudden you're down double.
0: <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. But yeah, well, That'll be interesting. I like the super lock idea out of you. So that'll be fun. I agree with the over. I have it closer though than you guys do. Just because whenever you see a line like this that kind of stands out to you, it always feels like Vegas knows something that we don't. And for whatever reason, we'll come out on Saturday And it'll be a really ugly or boring game or kind of the NFL style where you're going to see like the seven, eight minute drives that maybe drive that down a little bit. Because it's important to at least mention Rutgers hasn't really turned the ball over a lot this year. And their offense is at least being responsible. They're having these long drives and collecting whether it be a field goal or a touchdown. I know they're playing Temple, Syracuse, Delaware, but they've improved and you're right about that.
1: And Michigan's defense is not typically a defense that creates a whole lot of turnovers either.
0: Exactly. So this is going to be one of those games I could see Rutgers coming back at the end of the game. I Michigan going win the time of possession purely because they're running it down everybody's throat right now. I forgot to even mention, they have not had a game yet this year where they've rushed for less than 330 yards as a team. That's an insane stat when you look at it. I think you kind of see more of the same in that regard. It's just going to be lower than it typically would be. I had Michigan winning 38-14. to Never really concerned whether or not they win. And I think this is less about Rutgers is not taking the positive steps forward and just that this is probably one of the better Michigan teams we've seen in quite a while. Fun fact, I, I
1: think I heard this correctly last week when I was listening to the Michigan game. Michigan's rushing total last week surpassed the year... Their all-time record, and their all-time record was in 2016 when they beat Rutgers 78 to nothing. So maybe Rutgers. What dicks for running the score up on Rutgers? (laughs) They ran the ball. I remember (laughs) 78 (laughs) points. Yeah. Shoot, I texted you guys in the group chat last week. Michigan scored 63 points with like three minutes left in the third quarter. I was like, they could score 90 because they literally were just. It seemed like run, run, boom, big run, touchdown. It was just – it was crazy how easy it looked. But I also want to comment on this game one thing real quick before we move on. Really looking forward. I think Rutgers will challenge Michigan early, especially. Uh, I, and not really it, – it, it'll – like Michigan will be ahead or if they get down by a touchdown, I don't think they're going to panic or anything. I think this might be the first time that we see Cade McNamara – kind of had to throw it maybe 15 to 20 to 22 times. And a lot of it, I think, would be early on. But I'm interested to see that and how that works. I hope that. I hope they do it for, you know, my eye's sake. I mean, running the ball all over people is fun to watch for three games. But, my goodness, I'm I'm a guy that likes to pass the ball a little bit too. But we'll see.
2: I'm glad you brought that up, Casey, because that was – I was literally going to ask you – before you mentioned that if this was the week we saw Michigan open it up a little more and I I don't necessarily think they would have to, because I think they would win the game regardless. I mean, if they followed the same plan of action for the first three to this one, they would win, but it would just be interesting to see if they do let McNamara kind of, kind of throw it a little bit, especially like down the field, not these little Dinkin ducks. I want to see this kid throw it down the field you know, and they did it at the you know against Northern Illinois for that one eighty or ninety yard touchdown. But I would like to see that a little more throughout the game.
1: Well, yeah. So I felt like they did open it up a little bit more last week. They were just dinking hitches and and such. But I think about three of his throws of his eleven throws last week were down the field. He he obviously hit Cornelius Johnson on that big touchdown. But like I mentioned in our recap show on Sunday, he also missed a, a play action beautifully drawn up. Wide open, Cornelius Johnson overthrew him. So I think they have progressed in opening up the playbook a little bit. But, I mean, hopefully they do it a little bit more and and get ready for that big game against Wisconsin. It just seems so typical that it's going to work out like this. All right, hear me out. Wisconsin's going to lose this week, right? Michigan's going to win this week. And then Michigan is going to go in as the favorite at Wisconsin – and then lose to a one and two Wisconsin team. It just it's that's how it's gonna work because they can't win in Madison.
2: I was actually thinking the opposite. I thought you were gonna take a different approach, and just like the Washington game where they lose the week before, and Michigan comes in as a favorite, and then everybody's like, oh well, they just beat Washington, and you know they lost a or they lost to Montana, and then I thought you were gonna say like Wisconsin, they're gonna come in off a loss. Oh, they lost to Minnesota or they lost to Notre Dame and Michigan beat them, uh, well, Wisconsin's not very good. Like, it, it seems like that is, well, like, the trend this year for Michigan. It's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, either way, if Wisconsin loses, you're just in a no-win situation. Because if you beat them, then it's, oh, you beat a 1-3 Wisconsin. Whereas if you lose, oh, you lost a 2-2 two and two Wisconsin. That didn't look very good. In a typical Michigan year, that would happen. Like, they, because it's on the road at Wisconsin, or it's Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State. They can't win on the road.
0: I do think this Michigan team is showing signs of being different than what we've seen, though, and that that could be a game that could really challenge them to change that culture and to change what, I guess, the expectation has become. And whether or not they're 1-2 and two or not, I think most people that watch the Big Ten regularly know that is not a bad Wisconsin team, Losing to Notre Dame, Michigan, and Penn State to start the year, it's not a death sentence either for them. I mean, that's a team that can turn around and go 9-3 and three and win out the rest of the regular season and still have a shot to even represent the West. So I'm not ready to, like, doom and gloom that idea yet. We'll see. We'll have to reassess even after that Notre Dame-Wisconsin game to begin with. But we'll jump now into that Kent State and Maryland game. Wally, that's a typo, right? On your screen, which one? Where? What? Your score prediction for this game? Oh, that's for this be Maryland a typo. game?
1: No, that's got to be a typo.
0: No, t- all right. I'll, then I'm going right. first. Well, then here you go for this Kent State Maryland game. Maryland is a 14 and a half point favorite. The over under is set at 68 and a half. As you kind of got to hear a little bit there from Casey, I think this game is going to be much closer than people think. I have Kent State covering the 14.5, and I have this being a 38-35 Maryland win. So Just I, take the
2: money line, you sissy.
0: This is why you're 9 or 10 units down, Hayden. I think they're <laughs> going to play close and not win the game. That's the difference. What was I going to say? Sorry. Kent State has been a glo- You're flustered. No, I'm trying to remember. I keep getting the clicks. They keep getting the damn clicks. Kent State has been a glorified sacrificial lamb here to start the year. They are one and two, but they've played number 7 Texas A&M and number 5 Iowa. I feel like about as tough as you could want Kent State to play those teams. They've moved the ball considerably okay over 250 yards in both of those games and then Iowa has one of the better defenses in the country. Texas A&M has proven that they have a very good defense in their own right. I think that this is just going to be a matter of can Kent State at least slow down Talia Tagavailoa, Rakeem Jarrett, Dante Dimas enough to keep this close? I think Kent State's going to move the ball a lot. Maryland doesn't have a great defense, and I think that's where you're going to see this game all of a sudden get that gulp. Like, maybe Maryland's looking ahead to, to Iowa next week a little bit, and all of a sudden you're looking at a game in the fourth quarter where the Golden Flashes at least have a shot. I do think Maryland avoid the disaster, I guess I would say. But I think it's much closer than people think it's going to be.
1: No shot. No shot at all. I'm taking Maryland minus 14 and a half. I'm actually going to roll with the under because I don't think Kent State's going to put up as many points. I'm going to say that Maryland wins 42 to 17. Go Terps.
2: Yeah, Wally, yeah, I think you're crazy. I don't necessarily think this game I how do I wanna word this? I don't think it's going to be like a complete and utter blowout, but I think Maryland's gonna cover if that if that if that makes any sort of sense. They're gonna they're going to win by three scores, I think. And it's not going to be anything like your wild, crazy prediction. I'm with Casey though. I'm I'm taking the under because I don't think Kent State is going to score as much as Wally hopes they score for his, for his sake in this pick. So Maryland minus 14.5, and I'm rolling with the under as well.
1: Hey, let's give a, a shout-out to Kent State. I know I gave a shout-out to Colorado last week, but going out of conference at Texas A&M, at Iowa, and at Maryland. Big paydays for them. Oh, yeah. That's awesome to see. I love it.
0: And we'll go now to the team that Kent State played last week. Colorado State is traveling to Iowa. Number five Iowa, that is, too. Iowa, get used to this number. Uh, uh, My Iowa Hawkeyes. Casey's Um, Iowa Hawkeyes right there. 23.5 point favorite. Get used to that number. That's how good this defense is, that this isn't higher. Because this is not a reflection that they think the game is going to be close. They just don't think that Iowa's offense is going to be able to get to that number to make it an ugly game. But Colorado State's not a very good football team whatsoever. I should mention first, too, the over-under in this game is a very Iowa Hawkeye, 44.5, very Big Ten. It's just beautiful when you see that number. To give you a little background, Colorado State, they lost by three scores in their opener to South Dakota State. They then lose to Vanderbilt by three, and Vanderbilt is barely an FBS program in their own right. Before finally last week. This is the game I was talking about before. They traveled to Toledo. And I don't know. I just never. Even Colorado State. I just don't expect them to be the kind of team to travel to a place like Toledo. But for whatever reason it happened. But they finally got a win. So you have to wonder. Maybe they are getting a little bit of things figured out there. But it's not going to matter. I'll tell you mine here first. I was going to cover the 23.5. But barely. I have the under... As well, just because Iowa wins this game 34-7. to Another one of those low-scoring games where we're talking about how good Iowa's defense is. And on Sunday, we have to wonder again, when will Iowa be forced to pass the ball, be forced to move the ball a little bit on offense? Man,
1: this, this is tough. I kind of have the same feeling that I had last week with my Hawkeyes. I'm not sure that they'll score, you know, 35 points. But I'm also pretty confident that Colorado's not gonna score more than ten, so it's very tricky. I'm gonna go Colorado state plus twenty three and a half. I know it's crazy, but I could see it being like a thirty one to ten type game, which also means I'm taking the under as well. so
2: I am going with Iowa State to cover this this point spread. Uh,
1: Iowa State, that's or, weird. Uh,
2: yeah, I just, I totally just mixed them up. That's funny. I'm going with Iowa to cover this point spread. I think they get the job done. Colorado State is not, not very good. The one difference I have is I am going to go with the over because I do think this is the week that Iowa will score a little bit more than what they have been. And I hope that they carry me to the over here because I know Colorado State's not putting up very many points in this one.
0: We'll go to one of the more intriguing matchups of the weekend where Nebraska coming off what feels as close to a win as a loss can feel in today's day and age. Scott
2: Frost revival.
0: The Scott Frost revival is right. They're On a loss. <laughs> on a loss. And they're traveling to number 20 Mel Tucker's Michigan State Spartans coming off a very impressive win down there in Miami. This was one, when I looked at this line, I got literally, like, my brain broke. It felt like I was getting duped. Michigan State's a -a four-and-a-half point favorite. Before I give my piece, I'll let one of you guys go first this time. Do you think the Spartans cover the four-and-a-half? Or does Nebraska, coming off that loss, have a little bit of momentum and potentially stun the Spartans? Oh, and I should also point out, too, the over-under is
1: 51.5. For some reason, I think Vegas loves Nebraska. It worked out for me last week, but going into the year, you know, we we're all kind of thinking that number of 20, I think it was 23.5, could have easily been higher. I don't think they get it done this this week. Big game for Scott Frost and the Nebraska program. Didn't really think at the beginning of the year that this would mean as much because uh, to be quite honest with you, I didn't think Michigan state would be three no at this point. So really big game. It could be a, you know, a big win if Nebraska could pull it off. But ultimately I think that that Michigan state's going to get it done. I think they're going to cover the four and a half. I think they might win by a touchdown to 10 to two touchdowns. I'm going to go with the under though. I could see this being, 27-17, 27 to 17, 24 to 17 type game.
2: I'm completely with you, Casey. Wally said it. This line feels very strange. I feel like it should be a little bit higher. The only problem that I could see happening is maybe a Michigan State letdown after that win down in Florida. But I, I don't think it's going to. Michigan State is at home. I think that that'll help them out a little bit, kind of trying to avoid the letdown. Yeah, I'm going to take Michigan State minus the four and a half. I'm also going to – they're only four and a half, so I think I can take the money line. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it's actually all the way up to
0: five and a half points we had it.
2: If I'm taking a minus four and a half, I might as well take the money line as well. I don't know what the odds are for that. I'd have to look what the odds are for that. But, uh, yeah, I'll take Michigan State my money line minus four and a half. I'm also going to take the under, though. Uh, I think this could be a low-scoring game. Michigan State's going to try and eat up the clock. Adrian Martinez, uh, you never know what you're going to get from that guy with Nebraska's passing attack. Last week it was okay. You know, it was all right. I don't know. It feels like it could go the complete opposite way, depending on the week. So, I'm
1: taking the under. Could I uh, also have Michigan State money line as well? I forgot about that. My bad.
0: See, this game, to me, it was intriguing when you look at the fact that This is one of those rare non-whiteout games because Penn State gets grandfathered in and forgiven and allowed to do it. But one of the rare night games in the Big Ten that kind of feels like there's significance to it. And that's so refreshing because I think that especially with the kind of revival we've seen out of Michigan State this year, that place is going to be nuts on Saturday night. I don't think there's going to be that opportunity for a letdown because of that. I think that team is going to be all kinds of fired up I do have the over, but I also have Michigan State covering in this game. They're the most balanced team in the Big Ten. We talked about that last week. I, if you take away Kenneth Walker, I feel like Peyton Thorne is the type of guy that's going to be able to win you the game still with his arm, at least against a team like Nebraska. I think they are going to put up points. I know Nebraska's defense, I've been really high on them this year, but they've kind of been a lot of that bend, don't break. They are giving up a lot of yards, but keeping teams out of the end zone. I think Michigan State, especially with how balanced they are, they're able to kind of solve that defense. They win this game. I have 34-19 because that poor Connor Culp, I have a bad feeling. The woes are going to continue. It's just all the confidence seems to be gone. But I I was very surprised by this number. I think I would have taken it all the way up to probably 8.5 or 9.5. And we'll go right into the Akron in Ohio State game now. Not a ton really to be learned here. I feel like I guess this is more of the opportunity that to have a what a get right game so to speak for Ohio State. You imagine purely on how bad this Akron football team is that you're not going to really be tested. Even that defense that has looked very bad and very suspect for Ohio State, I'd be surprised to see Akron do too too much. They did replace their starting quarterback after the first game. And his name is DJ Irons. He's actually done pretty well in replacement. Maybe Akron's able to move the ball a little bit, but I do think that Ohio State wins this game and wins it comfortably. The only problem is, guys, the spread is 49 and a half. That's a lot of points for a team, especially like Ohio State, that's defense has been so underwhelming to this point of the year. I will take Akron to cover purely on that, but the over of 67 and a half, I think Ohio State almost gets there by themselves where it only takes a score from Akron. I had the final score being 63-17, to 17, and even that 17 number feels a little bit big, but I'm just a little gun-shy after what we've seen in the last few weeks.
1: Akron is one of the worst football teams in Division One FBS. Them and Bowling Green are going to get smacked this week by a couple Big Ten schools. I personally don't see Akron's offense being anything that is is worth a damn, even though Ohio State's defense has looked, I mean, to be honest with you, pretty pretty bad in the first three games. I think this is kind of their, I thought it was last week, but I think this is their take out their frustration on Akron. I think they win the game 59-3. to three. I can't imagine Akron gets in the double digits. They ranked 120th offense last season averaging 17 points a game I think the combination of having a bad offense and kind of a an Ohio State team that you know really I if if they don't play with a sense of urgency this week then I I don't know what they need to do but I can't imagine them scoring very many points whereas I think Ohio State is going to put up a bunch and hopefully we can finally see some backup quarterbacks, some younger guys getting in for Ohio State because we really haven't been able to see that offensively, I would say, like we thought we would at this point in the season.
2: I don't really know what to think about. The game's not in jeopardy at all. Just in terms of the betting line, I feel like it's a lot of points, and I'm just going to mimic everything that you guys have said about how a defense that has shown us, has proven to us that they – have not been good through three games. I don't trust the defense. I, I quite frankly, I, I'm not overly impressed with the offense right now. Even though I think their problems are much more fixable than what is going on with the defense. I I, I do think Ohio State's offense will get to what we kind of expect out of them, hopefully this week. But just for the, just because of the defense, I am not uh, taking Ohio State minus forty nine, which might be a surprise. I'm going with Akron. I, I think I don't trust the defense, and that's and I'm not going to pick Ohio State with that large of a gap. I, I will take the over. While well, I think Wally said it that Ohio State might get to that by themselves, and I, I'm not. I'm not. They're not going to score sixty eight points, but I, I think they could be fifties or maybe even low sixties. And then it only takes a couple scores, one score maybe from Akron, which I think is more than manageable for them. So over Akron plus forty nine and a half. I uh, I guess one thing that I want to see as a fan, and you know, I follow a lot of uh, Ohio State websites and podcasts and and everything. You know, I I read that stuff all the time, and. I texted Wally separately today trying to kind of vent or just talk about what what it it looks like or what it seems is going on. And everything that I've read has been completely negative about this Ohio State, particularly the defense, but also, you know, C.J. Stroud's getting a little bit of flack. The offense hasn't produced quite like we thought through the first couple games Wally had to say this for me to, to finally not think it because I always, I was always on that side anyway, but just confirm my prior feelings. I am taking the more optimistic approach with this defense because I did think they showed some slight improvements from last week. And, and I didn't know this until I was reading an article. There was a point in the game last week where they got six straight stops and you know just based on how the game went i never would have thought that but they were at, at one point at i think it was the middle of the third quarter they had six points they did give up a bunch of yards and whatever this week i'm hoping to see more of the continued improvement in my opinion uh, more of the changing up of coverages and and things like that just giving different looks and this is definitely a week that they can play with anything because they're not in danger of losing i mean maybe they give up some points but definitely kind of a trial and error thing where they can they can continue to work on new looks they want to give.
0: If we're talking about the Ohio State defense on Sunday, we have major concerns because this is one of those games that when we look back on, we should be breezing through it on Sunday in about 30 to 45 seconds. So let's hope that we're not talking about Ohio State a lot on Sunday because if we are, all of a sudden we're talking DEFCON 5. It's
2: yeah, it's a problem. Casey Casey gave us the a total last week. How many points does Ohio State's defense have to give up for you to be concerned? And I think you said, did you say 28 or for that I, Tulsa
0: I, game? You're saying, yeah,
2: for the Tulsa game, he gave us a point. I think it was like 28. Is that like worse than what we've seen against, or it was something along those lines. It was in the twenties, I think, but for this it game, might, it, it it
1: I might've been like 21. I don't think.
0: I think it was low twenties because I, yeah. I didn't want to see Tulsa get really in the twenties the way they've right. looked this yeah. year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd Either have to go way, back I'd, and listen. It was yeah, in the
2: 20s, uh, but for this week, you would have to think it would be even lower than that. I, it, you have to, imagine. If Akron is scoring in the 20 points in that range, <laughs> Wally said it. It's it's a very significant problem, and I don't know what they would have to do to fix that. But this this is where we're at with this team is we need to see. I mean, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Like we need to start seeing some defensive improvements or this team is on its way to the Outback Bowl and losing one or maybe two more games, maybe three. Yeah. With the, how the big Ten East is looking like this, there's a chance that that happens if we don't start seeing these improvements.
0: Completely random. And I just want to, this is a big Ten podcast. We haven't had a chance to talk about it yet because we started in what April or so last year. You know what pisses me off is that we never get the Bloomin' Onion in the Outback Bowl. Why do we have to have the Coconut Shrimp? That's just not right, but whatever. If we're playing in the Outback Bowl, I just want to be playing on the right side of history. That's all I'm saying. But we'll get into that again on Sunday morning. We'll go to our last game of the week now. When Ohio
2: State's in the Outback Bowl, we can spend a whole episode talking about that.
0: And I will. If we are on the Coconut Shrimp team again... It's just a joke that the SEC is the one that gets the blooming onion. I mean, talk about home field advantage. Home cooking down there. But we'll go again to our final game of the, se- of the season. That wouldn't be good. We'll go to our final game of the week. Indiana is traveling to Western Kentucky. That game's at 8 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. The line opening up here is 9.5 for Indiana. The over-under is set at 63.5. Whoever wants to take this one first, feel free to do it. I think that this was probably to me the most challenging game to pick a spread for. At least I didn't have a great feeling initially until I started digging through. It's just this is a what air-raid happy Western Kentucky team. Anybody that's been a college football fan for a while, it's kind of what you're used to seeing out of them. And then meanwhile, for Indiana, Michael Penix Jr. At some point, you want to talk about needing to see some improvement. At what point does Indiana have to start wondering, do we have to make a change if he's continuing to throw three touchdowns a game and be sub-50% week in and week out?
1: I'm going to roll with Indiana. Although Western Kentucky had two weeks to prepare for them, I think that Indiana is a lot better than what they showed. Obviously, what they showed against Iowa, and I think they showed it last week against Cincinnati. Like I mentioned in our recap, I did think they were the better team for about three quarters and then let it slip away in the fourth quarter. Knowing how Tom Allen gets that team fired up and gets them motivated, I think this is going to be a game that they're not sleepwalking through. They go in and and beat Indiana. Er, Or Western Kentucky. My bad. Indiana minus nine and a half. Gosh. um, What's over under? Oh, Western Kentucky does put up points typically. um, Last year they did not, though. They ranked 114th in points per game in the NCAA. I'm going to go with the under. I want to say Indiana wins 35 to 20.
0: Hey, do you ride with the Hilltoppers or are you going with the Hoosiers like Casey? I am riding
2: with the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers here, just for the spread. I'm not I'm not gonna pick them outright. I don't have that that much courage. But I think they do get it done with the nine and a half they're given. And you know, being at home, which is rare, you know, getting a a big school at home is gonna be a night game. I'm sure they'll have a packed house for you know that kind of environment. That'll be really fun. I'm going to take the over because I know nothing really about Western Kentucky, but I feel like they'll score some points on Indiana. So, uh, Western Kentucky plus nine and a half and the over.
0: So here it is. I'm taking the Hilltoppers outright. The Hilltoppers are going to win this game and the over is going to hit because of it. 34, 31 Hilltoppers. I have to see Penix jr like basically play a game not against Idaho where they're able to protect the football and look themselves. If Stephen Carr is going to be exclusively running in this game, then it shows a confidence problem in Penix Jr. But that would be the recipe for where I would see Indiana winning this game. I think they want to get Penix Jr. throwing it and feeling more comfortable. But the problem is, and we kind of touched on it very briefly about how strange it is, to see teams like Indiana want to take a trip out to a place like Western Kentucky, this all of a sudden turns into, first of all, it's a night game too. You know that student body is going to be crazy. This turns into what will be the best or biggest home football game for this team, not only of the year, but for a little while. That's something that really sticks with the program. And I think because of that, you're going to see a very fiery hilltopper team come out early. If they're able to get a lead in this game, Buying that Bailey Zappe, I think it's the guy's name. And that kid, for the record, in two games this year, has 859 yards, 10 touchdowns, and two picks. They sling it there. I just think it's a funky matchup, and I just think we're going to see something weird happen. If they can stop that kid, and they can stop that Jareth Stearns kid who's got almost 300 yards himself, you're probably right. But I just got a really weird feeling that some bad days and some bad times are upon us right now in the 2021 Indiana Hoosier season.
2: Are you calling for Michael Penix's job after they lose this game?
0: It at least needs to be a conversation. I don't know if I would say well, it's it's done, but it needs to be a conversation if they go one and three and he does not look good. Because if they lose this game, he did not look good. See, I feel yeah, like...
1: and I completely agree with Wally there. Sorry, go ahead. hey. I get that,
2: but I feel like... It's already part of the conversation because we've you've brought it up the last couple weeks. Uh, you even brought it up in the opener like, when's it time to get Penix out so he doesn't get injured? I feel like it's already been part of the conversation. And if they go and lose a game to you know a team like this, how is it not already past the conversation part and it's time for the action?
0: It's an interesting point. I mean, I was bringing up to take him out in the Iowa game simply to protect him. Don't ruin that confidence because the game was out of reach. But from there, I mean, even the Idaho game, I don't have those stats in front of me. I know he threw two touchdowns and no interceptions, but I think he only had like 110-ish yards in that game. Even in that game, I, it didn't look like he had that spark, that that confidence to go downfield too much this year. Or at times, I guess you could, I guess, suppose argue the other way that he has, he's been too confident at times. But I just need to see that offense do something. And right now, I'm kind of where you guys were with Michigan State last week. I need you to prove it to me, Indiana. But that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon. We'll be back early next week to break down the Week 4 games. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at P&NPod, Facebook, at P&NPod, and Instagram, also at P&NPod. Do you, either of you guys have any final thoughts for us going into the weekend?
1: Yeah, I have a few things, if I could, Sam, real quick. First off, some Big Ten news, I guess. The Wall Street Journal voted, and Times Higher Education voted Michigan as the number one public university in the world. Or no, in the U.S., sorry. Fun fact, just saw that. Dave Portnoy quote tweeted over it. Best of luck to Justin Fields this weekend. Former Ohio State Buckeye getting his first start. Pretty jacked about that to watch him hopefully take over that job. I mean, Andy Dalton has looked fine in the first game, or first two games, but I think it, it's it's about time to let Justin get in there and, and handle it from now on. And then, Hayden, best of luck to you on Friday, dude. I don't know who you got. I don't know if you told us who you got. But... We have the Arlington Red Devils this week. All right. Hey, well, stay healthy, okay? <laughs> and Wally, it was good to see you, buddy going to prove them wrong. I hope you have a great weekend. Are you? You got that same feeling that you had last week? Arcadia
2: minus four on, and a half? I'll tell you on Sunday. All right.
0: Well, good luck to both of you guys this weekend. I'm kind of getting excited. There's a chance I get to go out and see Casey next weekend. Get to see both of you guys, pl- or what, coach a game this year. So that would be really cool. Outside of that, I'm with you. I'm really excited to see Justin Fields in that Browns game. I'm excited to see him with a full week of preparation because I know he jumped in last week in that Bengals game. It doesn't look great statistically, but he had a couple nice plays. He had a scramble at the end that iced it that you know if it was Andy Dalton, it's a sack. And all of a sudden, Joey B he- has a chance to win that game.
2: Yeah, he threw. He literally threw a dime, a touchdown to the Bears' best receiver. I can't remember what his name is anymore. Alan
0: Robinson. A- Alan Robinson. Yeah,
2: Alan Robinson yeah. literally dropped it. Right, it was right in the basket. Dropped it in the end zone. Well, so it,
1: it was a little. It was a little oh, underthrown. Get If, get out of if here. I'm gonna nitpick, get out It was of a here. little underthrown, Let's, but we're, it fi- still we're been finishing caught. this I podcast.
0: Agree. This we're done.
1: Hey, I said it should have been caught, but if it it was a little bit underthrown.
0: Well, make sure you guys share these podcasts with your friends and family. We love doing it, but it would mean a lot to us if you guys helped get that out there. We'd love to grow. But thank you guys for listening. We will see you guys back here next week for episode 25 of Pigskins and Nylon.